In Matthew chapter 19, well, you're familiar probably with Matthew 19, the first nine verses. If you've been in the church for any period of time at all, you've probably heard a number of lessons on Matthew chapter 19, in particular verse number 9, as it comes to uh, relate to that subject of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. That may be the extent of your knowledge of Matthew chapter 19. Now, in this good crowd, it's probably not, but maybe that's that's really what you think about when you go to Matthew chapter 19. And if it is, that's not a, a bad place uh, to start, if you will. But don't stop there. You've got to go through and read the whole chapter. In fact, if you know verses uh, 1 through 9 really well, I want you to know the last 8 or 9 verses even better. I want you to listen to these words, beginning with verse number 23. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Then answered Peter and said to him, Behold, we have forsaken all, followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, and this is what I really want you to press upon your heart. Verily I say unto you, that ye have followed me, uh, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, Ye also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and every one that has forsaken houses or brethren or sisters. You wonder where that expression, brethren and sistern, came from? Jesus came up with. For brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. In the beginning of the passage, they wanted to come and talk to Jesus about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And Jesus said, I don't want to talk to you about divorce and remarriage. I just want to talk to you about marriage. But as you come to the end of this passage, he says, I really want to talk to you about eternal life. That's what I really want you to press upon your heart, going to heaven. And isn't that the overall point, the purpose of life? Is getting from here to there, that's what it's all about, getting to heaven. Now, you'll notice there in uh, verse number 26, it says, With men this is impossible, with God all things are possible. And if you're like me, when somebody asks you what does the word all mean, well, it means all, right? All things are possible. That leaves us scratching our head a little bit. Is it true, really, that all things are possible? In particular, are all things possible for God? You may be nodding right now. And you may be saying, well, he said it was. Jesus said it was. And God is all-powerful, right? Omnipotent, he's all-powerful. Surely, there is nothing that God cannot do. 
I heard it expressed this way. Can God create a boulder too large or too heavy for him to lift? Is it possible for God to create two mountains without a valley in between them? You see, there are some things that are impossible for God because God has made them impossible. Just like it is impossible for God to forgive an impenitent sinner. Why is it? Because God made it that way. And so when it says that with God all things are possible, you've got to look at the context. It's like this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things because of Christ. You, you go up to McAfee's knob and you just jump off of the rocks and start flapping your arms and see how that works out for you. I can do all things through... You've got to look at it within its context, Romans chapter 8. And so that's what I want us to do for just a few moments. As we think about this idea, with God, all things are possible. With men, not everything's possible, but with God, all things are possible. And consider that within its context. And we know immediately it has to do with this idea of the rich man and the disciples and eternity. So for the context, let's back up just a little bit here. And let's go to verse number 13. I'm working under the assumption that we're just more familiar with the first, we'll say, 12 verses of Matthew 19. If not, may I encourage you to make this your homework assignment and go and spend a little time looking at Matthew 19, 1 through 12. Okay? But for today, we're going to look beginning with verse 13. Then were there brought unto him, Jesus, little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, You suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. I think this is one of the reasons that it gets all up in my crawl about, is that a Virginia expression, by the way? Y'all heard that before? It gets all up in my crawl when, when people get really irritated at children in church because they're making noise. I tell you what, don't come talk to me about that because that's going to get all over me. Jesus said, suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me. Okay? Jesus loved the little... In fact, Jesus said, if you all become like these little children, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. All right. So... Suffer them to come to me, and he laid his hands on them, and then he departed. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? I think, I think that's the question that many people are asking today, Lord, what is that one good thing that I can do to have eternal life? And if I can just do that one thing, that's not, too, that's not asking too much, I'll just do that one good thing, and I'm going to go to heaven. But that sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? If it's just one thing, it's one good thing. Jesus says, Why call thou me good? There's none good but one, that's God. But, contrast, if thou wilt enter into life, if, if you'll go to heaven, keep the commandments. 
keep the commandments. So I guess there is just one thing. Keep the commandments. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 15? If you, what? Finish it. Love me. If you love me, keep my commandments. Do you really love Jesus? If you really love Jesus, you can go to heaven. What does it mean to really love Jesus? You've got to keep his commandments. All right? We'll see if he has anything else to say about this. Well, which ones? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now you can just picture this young man. This young man says to him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What like I yet? Now just so you know, 40 years of age is the cutoff of being a young man. In other words, when you turn 41, you're old, according to this. That's, that's just the way it was. Now, some of our kids are thinking, well, 25, you're looking ancient to me. Well, here, he was under or up to the age of 40, considered a young man. And then it says, all these things have I kept from my youth. There was not an expectation that these Jewish boys be adherents to the law, if you will, until about the age of 12. And so prior thereto, there was an understanding that these are kids. They're, they're not going to be able to grasp this. They're not, they're not going to get it. Okay? There's an understanding there. And so what he's saying is that from the age of 12 up until his current age, which is potentially 40, he has kept every single one of these negative and positive commands from his youth. But notice what Jesus says. If thou wilt be perfect, perfect, complete. In other words, young man, there's something missing. If you'll be complete, if you'll be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now I want you to notice that Jesus is not saying that a requirement to go to heaven is for every person to sell everything that they have. You say, well, it sure sounds like that's what Jesus... I know, I get it. And if we just landed here in Matthew chapter 19 and stayed there and never went anywhere else, we'd be okay to think that. But yet, when we go to other places in Scripture, we start to identify that, you know what? The Lord had some faithful disciples who were wealthy. Let me just mention one. You think about Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph was a wealthy fellow. It's not money that's the root of all evil, according to Timothy, but it's the love of money. And it's that love of money that can so challenge our hearts, it can get us off the straight and narrow, and we forget our priorities. And apparently, Jesus, knowing all things, he knew that that was the problem with this young man. Young man, Sell what you have and give all to f take care of the poor. But when the young man heard that saying, 
He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now Jesus follows this up with a rather interesting illustration that would have made perfect sense to those folks in Palestine about a camel entering the eye of a needle. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. Now, in Palestine, a camel would have been the largest of animals. Now, in Babylon, they would have used a different... In fact, they did, according to the Talmud, they used a different animal. It would have been the elephant. So it's impossible for an elephant or... Um, or it be easier for an elephant or a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Well, what are the all things? I like for our attention to go back to verse number 18, beginning. You know, sometimes people land in certain areas of their life and say, well, I'm doing this pretty good. And therefore, I'm going to go to heaven. Uh, let's just look at this. Uh, Thou shalt do no murder. I'm not a murderer. Good. Don't become one. That'd be really bad. Well, I, I'm not a murderer, and therefore, guess what? I'm going to heaven. Leave your finger there in Matthew 19, and let's just backtrack a little, just a little, to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse number 21. Actually, let's do this. Let's, let's back up to verse number 17. I think this will be helpful. Jesus says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall not, uh, shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Jot, tittle, little markings in the language. Uh, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoso shall do and teach them, the same shall be called the great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Who were the scribes and Pharisees? They were the ones who wrote the law. They were the ones who walked about with their long phylacteries and they said, we're somebody religiously. We dot the I's and we cross the T's. But I say, if your righteousness doesn't exceed theirs, ye shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. Wait, what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 19? Don't murder. You've heard it said of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And it's talking about murder there. And whosoever shall kill, murder shall be in danger of the judgment. Makes sense. That, that just makes sense. But look at verse 22. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rika, 
shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. You want to know the difference between the old law and the new law, at least in part? The old law focuses a lot on action as you're reading it. The new law gets to the heart of the matter. It gets to the heart of the matter. And what's the heart of the matter? A matter of the heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19, you want to go to heaven? Keep my commandments. You want to show you love me? Keep my commandments. What are the... Don't murder. Okay? Don't do that. But what's in my heart? Especially regarding my brethren. I want you to notice the next series of verses. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy word. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into the prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. You know, there are some things that, that are impossible with man. It's impossible. It's impossible to go to heaven and be a murderer. Whether from the heart or in action. That being unrepentant. But God makes things possible. Through penitence, we can get there. Now you go back to that verse 18. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, that makes sense. You know, you go back and you read Scripture from, from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, and it's replete with, with examples, of, uh, with the expression and the examples, thou shalt not commit adultery, and the consequences of committing. We understand that. But again, we leave our finger there in Matthew 19, and we come back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You've heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that, that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right eye offend thee, cut it off. And cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. It's been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. In other words, if I'm putting away someone, if I'm separating myself from someone who has not committed adultery, guess what I'm doing? I'm potentially causing them to commit adultery. Same is true in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, right? 
talking about the relationship between the husband and the wife and, and what's the, what is one of the purposes of marriage? To provide a sexual outlet for that couple. And guess what? A sexual relationship outside of the marriage relationship is something that's in conflict with the will of God. As is a relationship that's void of that sexual expression in marriage, that's in conflict with the will of God as well. And can potentially cause your spouse to commit adultery. And so, here in Matthew 19, in verse number 18, well, I, I, I don't commit adultery. What about your heart? What about some of those other actions? Thou shalt not steal. Uh, we could camp out all, all over the place here. We're not going to do that. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. I, I, want, you to, I want you to go with me over to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Listen to, listen to what the Bible says in verse number 13. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers, also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Now this is in a, a, a specific context of uh, the widows, how do you treat the widows and, and responsibility of women and so forth. And here it, it says that you shouldn't be idle. I didn't say you shouldn't be an idol. I said you shouldn't be idle. In other words, if, you, if you're just sitting around, you've got a lot of time on your hands, you're going to get in trouble. And it's probably your mouth that's going to get you in trouble. Because you know what might happen? You might become a tailbearer, or a busybody, or as we might say, you might just be a gossip. Talking about other people, or you could be a tattler. You remember having children at home, and maybe, uh, maybe you had two or three, and, and one would want to come to you and gripe about the others. What do you tell them? Stop. Fill, fill in the blank. Stop tattling. You quit tattling. You're being a tattletale. You know what? The Bible says don't be a tattletale. Now we get it with the kids. The kids are learning and we're trying to educate them and help them grow through that process. But when you and I get to be adults, we ought to know better by now not to be a tattletale. What's, what's the Bible say in Matthew chapter 18? If you have a problem with a brother or sister in Christ, what do you do? You go to that brother or sister in Christ. You don't go around. You don't tell everybody else. You go talk to them. Right? All right, look at verse 19. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter... Um, 
5, it talks about the relationship between the husband and the wife, which would go back to that part we just read a moment ago about thou shalt not commit adultery. But verse chapter 6, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, for those who believe that the only words that are of importance are the words of Jesus, and we really shouldn't pay attention to the words of the apostles later on, because that's just not as important as the words of Jesus, I would like to remind us that these folks who wrote these other epistles, they wrote by inspiration, and they were... They were telling us, continuing to tell us, many of the things that Jesus already told us. Such as, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor, same language as in Matthew 19, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Why? Why should you do that? Kids, why should you honor your father and mother? Because the Bible tells me so. Right? Well, that's a good answer. Why should you honor your father and mother? Because God said so. That's a good answer. But let me give you a practical answer from the Bible. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Did you know? Did you know? That as you get older, you grow from youth on up into adulthood. As you get older, your, your parents become a whole lot smarter, don't they? Because when you were growing up at home, your parents didn't know anything. They were completely clueless when you were a kid, right? Isn't it funny how that changes as you get to become an adult or as you start to have kids yourself? Well, my parents were pretty wise. That's right. Why should we honor our father and mother? That it may be well with us and our dad. You just might live longer if you learn to listen to mama and daddy. That's what the good book says. Now, we come back over here to Matthew chapter 19. Things aren't possible with man. You cannot go to heaven by listening to man. If you think you're going to go to heaven because you came and listened to Neil Ritchie this morning, I've got to tell you, you're wrong. You're not going to go to heaven because you came here to listen to me. You're going to go to heaven because you kept the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you're going to be able to go to heaven. Because with man, things aren't possible. But with God, things, specifically in context, heaven is possible. And so let me close with this very important question. From God's heart to yours. Are you going to heaven? Are you going to heaven? You can know. You can know if you're obeying the commands of the Lord. It doesn't mean that you're getting everything perfect. I think we've established in times past that we don't do life perfectly. If we did, we would have no need for the blood of Jesus. 
But as a faithful child of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, continues to cleanse us of our sins. But maybe you're not a Christian. You've never been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I want to tell you from God's heart to yours in the most loving way I know how. If you're not a Christian, if you've never been washed by the blood of Jesus through penitent faith and baptism, according to Acts 2 and verse 38... I'm, I'm sorry to have to be the one to tell you. And I mean this sincerely. Your soul's in jeopardy. And it's not because, it's not because I came up with some rule or some plan on how, how you and I can go to heaven, but it's because of what the Bible says. You know, when, when those folks on that Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus... When those folks had heard Peter preach a gospel sermon, can you imagine what that would have been like to listen to Peter? He preaches that gospel sermon and he says, Jews, because that was his audience specifically, Jews, you killed Jesus. You killed Jesus. Now he could have just as easily been talking to us and said, you folks, you killed Jesus. That was 2,000 years. Your sins put Jesus on the cross. You killed Jesus. Peter said, but God raised him. God raised him on the third day. And God glorified him. He's now sitting at the right hand of the throne of God and he's there. And maybe even at this very moment, he's peering over the jasper walls and he's looking into your heart and mine and he's, he's just, he's asking, he's begging, he's pleading, make this your day. Make this your day to walk down that aisle and say, just like those folks did on this day of Pentecost, say, I'm sorry. God, I know my sins put your son on the cross. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I repent. I change my mind about sin. I'm not going to do it my way because my way is impossible. Your way is the only way that's possible. I'm going to do it your way. I repent. I change my mind. And I'm going to be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Acts 2 and verse 38. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people did that on that day. 3,000. We're not talking about 3,000 this morning. Maybe we're just talking about one or two. Or three, is it you? If you need to become a child of God, do it His way because He makes salvation, eternal life possible. It's together we now stand and as we sing.